Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. You look like you've discovered something. 187 days. Since the ring was formed? 187 days, 16 hours, 53 minutes. And in that time, we've detected no radiation, no signals, no emissions of any kind. What about the Martians? Their probes are better than ours. Have you compared notes? We are friends now, you know. They corroborate all our findings. You know, when the protomolecule first came with Venus, it looked like a squid to me, and it's behaved like a virus in the past. Do you think it might have been alive in some way? A life form? Yeah. Aren't you part of the godly contingent? No, I came here in a spaceship, not the wings of an angel. I'm able to appreciate the difference. Everyone and welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. And this week we get back to good sci-fi as we learn more about the mysterious blue goo and its purpose, starring all the misses, missing children, misunderstanding, and miscommunication. It's season three of The Expanse. But first, he's the electrician who gets conned into getting his killer off the ship that's set to be blown up by a rogue UN faction. It's Rob. How are you doing, Rob? Good. Today's uh, podcast. God damn it. Brought, brought to you by the letter dumb. Brought to you by the letter star crunch because we're going to open up some gates to the stars. God. Uh-huh. And he's the guy who wants to blow up a fusion reactor in the bubble for science. And he's back by way of blackmail on loan from the Gunna Geek Network. It's SP. How are you doing, SP? Well, first of all, there is no bad sci-fi, so it's all good sci-fi, right? No. Because sci-fi is, is good, so that's... <laughs> you know, somebody that's who's never one. seen Moonfall. No, uh, because you guys have seen it for me, so I don't have to go out and watch it. You're welcome. Uh, second of... So, yeah, thank you very much. Second of all, it is great to be able to blow up anything, you know, right there by the gate, just, you know, for science. And third of all... Yeah, oh, God damn it. What are we... Uh, Mouse up. A star, star crunch. crunch. I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, did, I wasn't sure what it was going to oh, be, God. so I got myself mm-hmm. moon pies, fudge yep. rounds, cosmic brownies, mm. and star crunch. I mm. hate both mm-hmm. of you. Yep. I quit. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, we're going through the gate, so we got a provision. Yep. It's going to be a long burn. Slow oh, burn. Both of you mm. suck. Rob, you got any news for us today? I do. Um, first off, uh, SP sent me a message earlier uh, that uh, showed his wares. So his moon, crun- his moon pies, star crunches. I was excited. I was hoping he'd bring them today. Mm. Yeah. Well, why do you think I sent you the message? I was trying to lead yep, up yep. to get. Jason, and I'll send Jason the message. Yeah. To you. Well, I think he got the message. It's been sent. It's been heard and received. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. First thing that I've got. This is kind of interesting. Um, the brain waves of a dying person have been recorded in detail for the first time ever. Okay. You know, this is kind of like that. That one eighties. I can't remember. I, I want to say Brainstorm. I think that was the movie where she recorded her dying brain. 
Mm. I've never seen that one. Yeah, I've never. I haven't seen that yeah. either. Really? Yeah. Oh, put it on the list. Put it on the list. It's got Christopher Walken in it. Oh well, I'm sold. Christopher Walken, I'm good. Wait, does he ask for more cowbell? No, not in this one. But he does <laughs> ride a bicycle. I think. I think it's Christopher Walken. Now I got to look it up. Anyway, okay. continue. All right. Well, so uh, there was an 87 year old patient that had developed seizures after um, uh, after having a fall and having surgery. Um, doctors had used an EEG electroencephalography. Yes. Yeah, there we go. There's a lot of, there's some C's and PH's and I think there's a Z in there as well. Uh, anyway. No, there's no C, there's no Z. Uh, you don't know. Um, so they hooked him up to an EEG to monitor his condition. Unfortunately, uh, the patient was deteriorating and passed away while these recordings were taking place. Um, now this person had a DNR, uh, and the family gave consent for scientists to record the electrical activity since he was already hooked up to the EEG while the guy was dying. Um, They've been they've been captured before from patients uh, that have been taken off of life support, but never from somebody who was actively dying. So they were really excited about that. Um, as the uh, uh, a neurosurgeon from the University of Louisville said, we measured 900 seconds of brain activity around the time of death, and had a specific fo- focus on what happened 30 seconds before and 30 seconds after the heart stopped beating. So they they hooked him up, and uh, they figured out what the brain does. Um, and well, what that particular brain did. Well, what that particular brain did when, when, it, uh, when you're dying. Um, so they're going to look into that and uh, get some, you know, publish their findings here soon probably. Uh, they didn't really say anything other than the fact that this has never been done before. Because uh, normally it's somebody that's on like life support or something like that, not somebody that is alive on their own volition, unassisted. So th- unassisted. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. <clears throat> All right. What else you got? Uh, I only had two today. Uh, so the next one. What? Uh, two? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I had a hard time finding news for the other show. I'm sure we can supplement. So Rob, what was your second one? I probably can do a third awesome uh the james webb space telescope is uh they have aligned all the mirrors so all those nice fuzzy dots are now crisper dots and then on top of that they have done the image stacking process so basically they have taken all of those mirrors and adjusted them ever so slightly so that they uh condense into one image um and now they start the painstaking process of uh, sharpening that image even more. So m- minor adjustments in, and to, to, to sharpen up the image uh, or to sharpen up what comes in. Um, and that's supposed to be, what, the next couple months, I believe, um, is, is what they're 
is what they're saying. It's going to take them a couple. Did they of run months. out of pictures at this point? Is that why you don't know? No, they didn't. I was I was double checking my uh, double checking it. Yeah, so a couple months, and they should be all aligned. Um, they they're going to do six mirrors at a time, so that's why it's going to take a little bit. Uh, so they'll activate s- sets of six, get them adjusted, do the next set, and then. How many mirrors are there? Lots. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm not even going to help you 18. out here, Rob. 18. 18. Oh. Okay, so they're doing yep. three rounds yep. of, of mirror adjustments. Yep, yep. To, to get it all nice and stacked up. Yep, 18, 18 mirrors. God. Oh, my gosh. Lots. <laughs> lots. Lots of mirrors. That's a lot. Of That's a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, you, we don't need the James Webb. You just, you know, take Rob's phone into orbit yeah. and, you know, you point it in directions, take pictures, and that's how you get... <laughs> get Only <laughs> if we can send Rob with it. <laughs> give me a, like give me a supply of uh, Star Crunches, Fudge Rounds, Moon Pies, and... Uh, Done. You know what? Cosmic Brownies. Throw some Cosmic Brownies in there. Thanks, SP. I need to get those on Whatever my you uh, want. list. Yeah, well, get them for next time because, yep. you know, we'll, we'll need them for next time. Yep, yep. Well, I haven't even gotten into the oatmeal cream pies yet, so. Yeah. All right, so for a third news story, we can easily go with the fact that the SLS is targeting a mid-March uh, stacking and full test. So the SLS is part of the Artemis program and is going to launch the next set of astronauts to the moon. Is it, and- though? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've they've delayed this for how many times now? Yeah, yeah, it, it'll probably be delayed again. To be honest with you, again, but yeah, the yeah. key is that they're stepping forward. Starship also had a show and tell event. Basically, Elon Musk had a show and tell event, and they stacked the full big Starship again, and they're getting ready as well. But the problem with Starship is they have to pass that environmental impact statement. And they are on pause now until the end of March. It was supposed yeah. to be end of February. They're now end of March, slipping another month because there were so many comments. And I think that's actually a good thing because it means the process is working. It means there were a lot of people on both sides that gave statements for the impact. Now they have to sort through that and either, you know, uh, give it the certification it needs or not. Also, I mean, continuing on the thread, SpaceX is creating another Starship launch facility at Kennedy Space Center. So if Boca Chica doesn't work out for them, they can then go to Florida and do things there. Also, they have the two oil uh, converted oil drilling platforms that they were going to convert into launch plant floors. So Starship has for, for many Starship? paths forward. Yep. For okay. Starship. And I knew they were yeah, talking I don't know about what... the fal- putting the Falcons on there. Or the yeah. I don't know what kind of environmental impact we're going to have down in Boca Chica. I mean, there's nothing down there but scrub brush and what prairie mice. So there was some concerns about wildlife and some endangered species, and there was also some concerns from the current residents and the impact that it was having on them. Well, yeah, I could see that. I can imagine the noise around there, but. There weren't that many people down in Boca Chica to, to begin with. SpaceX has bought a lot of the properties up, but there are people that simply won't in the current government down there. I don't know if it's the state government or the local government refused to do eminent domain on all the properties. So 
It's kind of a uh, Mexican standoff sort of speak right now <laughs> on the <laughs> property and the uh, environmental impact. Yeah, no pun intended since they're literally across the border right. from Mexico. Yeah, right, right, right. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, hear from a quick sponsor real quick or one of the uh, other sponsors? podcasts on we're the sponsored net. Yeah, now? No, no. Nobody wants to sponsor this show. <laughs> That's unfortunate. Nobody nobody wants to give money to us to keep us going. Absolutely not. All right. So let's hear from another uh, show from the podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm John. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kevin. And we are the Video, Video Game, Game Lounge, Lounge podcast. podcast. What are you guys doing? You're supposed to do it together, Kevin. <laughs> Title of your six, too. All right. Yes. This is the Video Game Lounge podcast. Podcast not here for notes and news, but to talk games and drink brews. Join us every other Monday. Where we talk about what you're drinking, what you're playing, and most importantly, each episode we discuss games of past, present, and the involvement it may or may not have influenced us. Oh, that was quick. That's what she said. Got him. All right, definitely check them out on creativebraincandy.com. Uh, they're they're good. Go check them out. Who's ready for a pod crawl? Sure. Sure, sure why not? All right, let's do this. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl. The pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. Tensions are high between Earth and Mars as Holden and crew just want to lay low. So they rename their ship the Pina Colada or some such shit. Strange things are happening on Venus as the blue goo reshapes the remnants of Eros and uses some UN designs as inspiration to create a giant space squid that shoots out to the edge of the system. Christian and Bobby are caught in a shitstorm trap during a powwow with Mao and barely escape using a space racer and getting rescued by Holden and the gang on their way to Io. Earth tries to destroy Mars's first strike capabilities, but screws the pooch and gets nuked in the process. Aaron Wright is revealed as the giant douche he's projected he is the entire time. The OPA finally get their shit together and form a government of sorts with their crown jewel being the runaway Mormon ship that they reclaimed and renamed to Big Mama, or Bootalicious, or something like that. <coughs> After Holden and the gang capture Mao and kill the mad scientist that started this whole shit buffle, the giant space squid has finished forming itself into a big space butthole that some cock-blocked belter tries to sodomize which pisses it off. Mao's daughter, pissed at Holden for sending her dad to prison, frames the Rossi for blowing up a UN ship, so Holden and crew enter the space butthole but do it gently so it doesn't clinch on them. Earth, the OPA and Mars follow suit, and since there is a speed limit, they can't quite catch up to Holden. But Holden is seeing visions of detectives in his multiple concussed brain, and decides to go into the creamy center of the space butthole to get some answers. There, Miller tells him to stick his hand into a thing, which is always sound advice, but some Martian Marines, including one recently reinstated Bobby Draper, crash the party and throw a grenade lowering the speed limit and wrecking tons of people who got a close personal look at Newton's first law. The space butthole tears Shang-Chi apart for lobbing the nade, and the remaining freaked-out marines drag Holden back to their ship after he sticks his hand in a thing and has a psychedelic trip through an ancient aliens episode. The OPA spin up their mobile space station to offer crushed people the chance to drain their wounds and then start taking pot shots at the ring like they are shooting cans off of a wooden fence. They are told that's really going to inflame the space butthole and to knock it off, as well as turn off their reactor so the space butthole doesn't see them as a threat, but it takes Holden and crew to sneak into the power grid to shut everything off and save the day. Once the space butthole relaxes, it opens up 1300 other space buttholes, all leading to other solar systems, it's a mad dash for Earth, Mars, and the OPA to claim new territory, 
and Roll Miller sends Holden on another Scooby-Doo mystery and Holden gets visions of a serene butthole beach while transitioning through a butthole into a new system. Credits. So, did, all right. Did somebody did yeah. somebody count the number of buttholes in this? Uh, hey, Jason, no, okay. is something the matter this week? And you're like you're not getting the loving that you normally need or something because there were some obvious references there. It's a giant space butthole. <sighs> yeah. I didn't see it that way, but you know, hey, you know, whatever works for you, I guess. All right, so the Expanse season three. Now we're we're finally getting what's out the, of what's the tagline for this one? Season three, season space three, butthole. Space, no, space uh, so you know, like the first season was the search for Julia, the mystery of Julie Mao, right? The second mm-hmm. season was the uh, what was it? The I have it written down here. Damn it! Oh man, second season was what? The the uh, the notes. search for the pro proto molecule. Well, um, yeah. Well, that was the second part uh, of the season. Uh, uh, what did you What did you name it? Okay, season one was the mystery of Julie Mao. Season two was how to weaponize the proto molecule. But the proto molecule says, "I'm doing still doing my Wait, own thing, bitch." Right? Is that a monocle or a monocule? Molecule. Yeah, so I misspoke. It's molecule. Sue me. And then there was two major arcs. There was the arrow. Season three was space butthole. Don't make it clinch. No, there's two parts to season three. You know, there was a mid-season finale, even though that's not how the story goes, but they made it in it. Part one, you can either say is the rise of Christian or the fall of Aaron Wright or both. And then part two is the race to the ring. If you say so. Part two is uh, who can penetrate the butthole first. Well, we all know that it was a belter who tried. Well, he went too hard. He, got, he did. Yep. He got. He got. He went too fast. He made a clinch, and he he, he got felt it. Jellified. That was. Mm. Ugh, that was man. Cool. That was cool watching. Cool. I mean, yeah, I was guess cool watching. watching it. But if you is your experience, oh, I don't want to be the one to experience that. No way. Well, oh my. I mean, oh, I doubt he felt. I anything. was going to say, he pretty much instantaneously liquefied. I'm not sure he was feeling anything anyway, because I'm pretty sure of his small stores that he had on board that slingshot machine that it was mostly drugs and alcohol. Oh, it looked like he was, no, it looked like he was uh, drinking his own piss. There was that. At one point he was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at one point he did. He, he like grabbed a bottle, took a swig, realized, oh, that's not water, and then looked at it and then kept drinking it. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting my head lush. <laughs> Look, you can live a long time on fucking drugs and booze, so and urine, apparently. Well, yeah, I don't know about that part, but okay. So season three. Now we're finally getting out of the kind of inner belt politics, and we're we're getting more into you know what what the goo is, what its purpose is, and actually what it can do. So we we've known that it's had some extraordinary capabilities up to this point. I mean, they're, they're using it to create hybrids. Uh, we finally got down to the mystery of the hybrids, who created them, why, who wanted them, and what their capabilities are, and that they're um, very susceptible to uh, fire, to, to very hot, hot fire. Um, and then the ring shows up. So giant space squid leaves Venus, goes out to beyond the orbit of Uranus, 
Again. What? Which planet? Uranus, no, butthole. No, what? It all comes together. No, you yeah. said it wrong. It's Uranus for the space butthole. It's not Uranus. No, it's Uranus. No, it's Uranus. No, Uranus. You two love and birds, so, Dunn. <laughs> no, no, not even close. Uh. And so it creates the giant space butthole, and uh, everybody wants to go into the giant space butthole. All right, you know what? You know what? We, we need to preface this. Uh, we'll have to put this in the show notes or something. Um, you know, we used to have Crowley Bingo. Um, we need somebody to tell us how many times we have said butthole. In I'm not this, counting in this movie. I, I haven't either in this uh, episode. I won't. Yeah. Don't depend on me here. No. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, normally we can um, we can thank Star Lord for things like that. He he tends to count for us. Okay. Yeah. Well, I will. Star Lord knows how to count. He does. Past five, ten, ten. I've got five, two hands, five fingers. I won't say that everybody wants to go into the ring. They reluctantly went into the ring. The Martians went in. Well. Holden goes in. Martians, yeah. Holden goes in and the Martians go in to chase after him. Right. Holden goes in because it's the only way out of the torpedo that's been, or missile or whatever it is, that's been lobbed at them. And then the Martians go after him because, well, they don't want him to get away. And then everybody else is like, well, they went in, so let's go in too. And so they go in and they experience the whole speed limit thing that Holden puts together because Miller says to him some crazy stuff. I love the way Miller is talking back and forth with Holden because he can talk at such high levels because it's not really Holden. It's the, or excuse me, it's not really Miller. It's the, the proto molecule. It's the sphere. It's, it's some entity or combination of entities or whatever. We don't exactly know at this point, but well, we, we know, know it's, yeah, it's and all that's connected. A good question, and I want, I want to get to that if we don't get to it right now. But, um, yeah, I've got a question about that. But keep going, sorry. Yeah, so the funny part is that Miller is talking at this level that's way above Holden. And Holden's like, what? Oh, so doors and corners. Okay, so let's just go with that. And Miller has to dumb down what he's trying to talk to him and talk to him in code using the experiences that Miller's brain brought to the protomolecule. So... That whole exchange every single time is funny, as well as Miller's the only one that can see him. I think Miller's the only one, or Holden is the only one that can see Miller. And I think there's something to do with that bit of protomolecule that is wedged between the hulls of the Rossinati and some interaction back and forth with Holden, which I have all sorts of issues back and forth because the Agatha King got impacted by protomolecule and the thing was almost instantaneously overtaken by by one of the hybrids, right? But yet there's this ball of protomolecule wedged in the Rossi and it's just staying there doing nothing. So I, I think that's on purpose. So so you have this whole, um, you know, he's a detective, right? So so. The pro the proto molecule was designed to build this ring, connect to connect to whatever ring space, and then phone home for for the next instructions. Right. So, but as we learn in this one, there is no home. Nobody's answering the door, um, and so it builds the detective. I think, I think while it was down on Venus, it it was communicating because they did mention the fact that there was a, uh, when the, when the hybrid died or whatever, a 
tight beam was sent out or a, or a wave was sent out to both Venus and, well, actually, when the hybrid died, Venus exploded, the uh, Arbogast, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then sent a thing to the other hybrids that were on Io. I think it's. Mm-hmm. I, I think at that point, it, you know, it was trying to phone home. At that point, also trying to figure out what's going on, um, or even when it made the ring, it was trying to figure out what's going on. And I think it was on purpose that it just left it there uh, as a conduit of sorts. Maybe so. Um, SP mentioned this before. He says that you you said that. You didn't think it was Miller. You thought it was just the proto-molecule giving Holden a familiar face to talk to. Yeah, I think so. I kind of think uh, I kind of think it's a little bit different than that. I think when Miller and Julie were on Eros and crashed it into Venus, I think something happened. So Julie was definitely bonded with the proto-molecule at that point because she was controlling the ship. And I think the bond between her and Miller kind of imprinted on the proto-molecule at that point. So I think there was some Miller in there whenever the proto-molecule was communicating with with Holden. You just said imprinted. Is it imprinted or is it their their soul, their essence? Well, I mean, call it what you will. It all boils down to the same thing. There's a there's somehow a piece of Miller that still lives on in the proto-molecule. Either it's his consciousness that's imprinted on the proto molecule, whether you call that the soul or, or whatever. Um, there's, there's something that the proto molecule picked up from his inner, from his interaction with the proto molecule through Julie that it was able to utilize. And, um, it was, so it was still kind of Miller that was, that was talking to, to Holden at that point. It's so very Arthur C. Clarkish with 2001, right? Because you have the construct or whatever they, called it the op the obelisk obelisk or or whatever and it was a machine onto its own and you had people that were absorbed by it basically even Hal was absorbed by it and was in there in the construct and i have always not known for sure whether it's them or whether it's as you said an imprint of them that is in there but it's very similar either way for it with Miller and the proto molecule and in my opinion and with uh, 2001 and that whole thing. I mean, you have to go farther into 2001. Yes. 2001 has some of it in it. 2010 has some more of it in it. And then 2061 has even more in it. That makes a heck of a lot of sense. So yeah, I never made it to 2061. Oh, 2061 is my favorite out of the three for sure. 3001 is a little bit difficult to understand because you're a thousand years in the future and it was deliberately meant to be a little mind bending of the whole thing. Anyway, uh, the relationship that Holden has with Miller is interesting because they weren't really friends. They were with each other for maybe a couple of weeks and they had a lot of arguments. So it wasn't like they were best buds or anything to us watching the show or reading the books. You're like, these are my two favorite characters. They're the stars of their own shows. They get together, do that great crossover. And I love it. But from their perspective, they're not besties. Yeah. But I mean, they did go through a lot of shit together, including getting irradiated together. 
And they did have exposure in that irradiated uh, room together with the protomolecule. So it may have been, it may have been something with that kind of shared irradiation with protomolecule, something that kind of primed Miller to be able to, to bond or communicate with, with Julie and the protomolecule. I don't know. I mean, why, why Holden? I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. And why Holden other than he's the, the main protagonist of the story at this point? Yeah. He's always seems to be right there Matt. whenever crap goes down, just like Rob, he's always there when crap's going down. Yeah, but it's usually a good thing when Holden's there. It's always it? a bad thing when Rob's there. Well, here's a good question. Is Holden a good leader? I think so. Most of the time. He's he's definitely the reluctant leader trope. I don't know if he's a good leader or if he's just there, the one making the decisions when stuff happens. Arguably, well, that's I mean, a good so leader, but I don't know. What, what do you consider a good leader then? What, what attributes would make a good leader to you? Well, leadership itself is the art to make people do what they wouldn't normally do. I mean, it, w- through whatever uh, means, uh, usually, you know, in, in leadership school, they teach you it's for, you know, for good. You know, uh, you would want to think for yourself. You want to be objective. You wouldn't want to be a robot about receiving instructions and just executing him. So you have to approach it with a certain amount of critical thinking, which for the most part, I, I can't fault him for any mistakes he's made along the way, because this is a way whole new territory. He's never trained for this. He's never wanted it. He's just wanted to get into the back walls of society and do nothing. I mean, there is a backstory to why he was on the can't to begin with, but we haven't seen it yet in the series and We've heard bits and pieces, though. We we have. Uh, there's a little bit more to it, though. But anyway, I think I would consider him to be a good leader because he's making the decisions for the benefit of everybody as he sees. And at the end of this season, which is, as I said before, the first three seasons really set up the real story that we're going to go through here, right? He gets to the point at the end of the season where he enables it like, okay, everybody needs to shut down their drive and and we're going to do that. Ashford, I won't fault him at all. He was going with the best information that he had on him. And he really believed that Holden was a madman and he ends up wanting to shoot him at the end. Right. But then Clarissa steps in and saves him because she thinks she's thinking in her head is one act of goodness going to make up for all the badness that happened in her life. I think she said something like that near the end. Right. And she decides to, to, yeah, she decides to, to make that decision. So you have two leaders that are both trying to do the best thing, Ashford and Holden and Holden just turns out to be right. And Ashford is like, okay, yeah, he was right. So Ashford had an ax to grind though. Yeah. And Ashford was colored by the, um, by the experience of losing his son. Yeah. I think this is one piece that is that is a little weak. Um, I like the Ashford character. Uh, I, I like what they did with him later. Um, but in when they brought him in, this was a little on the weak side. Um, so they... Ashford was always the captain of the behemoth in the books. Um, 
be, because they wanted a belter to be in charge of the belter. Drummer is a show-only character. Uh, drummer doesn't exist in the books. Uh, oh, really? Correct, yeah. yeah. So Drummer wow, is... she's one of the best characters right. in the show. Yeah, she's is, good. So she's well, in an, uh, an agglomeration of a couple characters put together. One of those characters is, uh, who, who we actually see later, is Bull. Um, so we've seen Bull, and uh, we'll see him in the next season. Uh, he's an Earther. Um, in the book, he was supposed to be the captain. Uh, Fred wanted him to be the captain, but then it was decided, nope, let's do a belter for optics. And Bull is uh, ends up being uh, the XO slash security, head of security. Uh, where, did we, where did we see Bull before? Uh, we haven't yet, uh, but we will in season four. Who is he in season four? Uh, he's the pilot, season four or five. Uh, he's the uh, guy that takes so ends up taking over for um, um, uh, what's Alex? what's his yeah for Kamal yeah. Um, Drummer is one of the many reasons why I believe the series is way better than the books even though the books are more in depth because they brought forward some really deep and meaningful characters most often women into earlier books uh, draper was one bobby draper was one mm -hmm. christian was another drummers another so i really think that the series started to balance the equation across the board bringing these better characters forward i want to say even anna was brought forward a little bit too yes. and they all had yeah, anna meaningful normally, contributions to the series yeah anna didn't show up until until getting on the ship right uh, until going to the ring so the whole her being helping with the uh at the beginning with the uh un guy speeches, speeches yeah uh that was <laughs> the secretary general, secretary general, the UN guy. Yeah, I couldn't remember what his his actual <laughs> title. He's was. not really credited. If you look at the IMD credits, even for the episodes that he was like one of the prime characters, he's way down in there. So I've always pushed him to the side. Secretary General Gillis and Anna's whole arc in the first half of the season between Gillis and Aaron Wright, and then her struggles at home and everything. She really brings the raw emotion forward and was really needed balance in the whole thing plus she sussed out with christian the whole aaron wright is bad and she was able to bring that forward if she was not there i don't think that gillis and aaron wright would have been treated justly basically they would have figured out some way to spin it to stay in power just like they did before and they stepped to the side and Christian was able to get forward. And this brings me to another point. I, for the life of me, still cannot figure out why the heck Christian went up to that ship to begin with. It was a bad tactical and I believe bad strategic choice for her to go up there and try to meet with Mao. Ultimately, yeah, that did seem kind of out of character for, for her. Yeah, ultimately, it turned into a Grand Slam home run because she was able to be up there. She was able to get the information to everybody else through the uh, uh, transmission from Aaron Wright, and she was able to successfully capture Mal through Holden. So she wins across the board by doing it. But before going up to the ship, there is absolutely no reason for her to go up there and every yeah. reason for her to stay back on Earth's surface. So, And I believe in the books, she was forced to go up there by Aaron Wright. Um, 
Mao said, hey, I'm going to turn myself in, uh, blah, blah, blah. And Aaron Wright was trying to kill two birds with one stone. I think, if I remember correctly, that's Aaron Wright sent her up there, and she was suspicious of him to begin with. Um, but, you know, you can't go against what your boss says. It does lead to one of the best statements in the entire series, in my opinion. Hit your tits and pucker up. We're going to <laughs> what, light it off or whatever it was. I, I love that saying. I yeah. wish I could remember it word for word. But that it was like in the first episode, too, right, of the whole series here or the season here. It was it was great. Draper has no qualms dealing with Christian at her level, right, at at the sailor swearing level. The two of them are a perfect match. I love it. Political intrigue aside, so like the first half of the season was was basically a, a closure to a lot of the political intrigue that we'd seen in the first two seasons. Um, Christian uh, fleshes out or fleshes out Aaron Wright. Uh, Gillis sees Aaron Wright finally for for actually who he is uh, through Anna, and eventually Gillis has to resign just because he's let this shitstorm happen under his watch. For who knows how long now? He didn't. He's take, managed to. He didn't take. Yeah, he didn't take any responsibility. No. And that's even after he got his own fucking planet nuked by taking out or trying to take out Mars's first strike capabilities. I mean, Anna is stretching to find the good man in him, and he shoots back with, "Oh, we can. This is great. We can just blame it on Aaron, right? This, this is all great. It's not my problem at all." You know, typically a politician trying to survive to the next election mm-hmm. and to stay in power and Anna's like oh no you're going to I, I think she made the decision right there to do whatever she was going to do in order to make him resign because I think he wouldn't have resigned if it wasn't for Anna yeah and I think Anna had, had finally saw inside of herself her major flaw and she even kind of called it out in the show that you know, one of her major flaws is vanity. She she was vain enough to think that she could change people. Uh, she thought that she could change Gillis, um, even after he burned her the first time. Whenever she got him into power, uh, she thought that she could come in and 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 change him and and make him do be be a good politician instead of the shit heel that he actually was, and. She did the same thing for, uh, or when she uh, when she confronted uh, Clarissa, Clarissa, Clarissa Mao, um, she she said she said that she spared Clarissa's life because she wanted she thought she thought she was above the the revenge that she she really wanted to 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 exact upon Clarissa and. She finally saw that as as vanity in herself. So it was a it was a reckoning for Anna too. So I, there there's a lot of great characters that they introduced into this this show. Every single character is flawed. It is a great show because it right. plays off their flaws and the characters that are trying to do good. You see that in the characters that are evil or are just playing into. Wow, that what their experiences are like for the first half of the season, I would say there's four main bad guys. You got Dr. Strickland, who he's just an unethical scientist and he never relents from that. You've got Aaron Wright. You've got Admiral Wynn, who I was thinking he the first time I watched this, I was thinking he's just definitely a bad guy. 
But then you hear the story that he watched 28 of his friends in a formative year of his uh, service. They died because of a blockade or something like that. I can't remember the exact thing, but he just turned into, I'm going to kill any Martian that I ever see because I hate them. And he wants this hybrid weapon in order to do it. So whether you want to call him bad or not, and then sec gen Gillis for the same reason, he just wants to survive. So you got four, those four characters and then you got Melba who's is some kind of, well, I don't know if they ever went through it in the show, some kind of weaponized human being that she uh, became, you know, was able to tap into her, adrenaline or something like that she has she had implants she has implants that give her more adrenaline yeah. and, and that kind Ad, of stuff endocrine implants yeah okay and then a lot she more was than able, that but yeah yeah and then she was able to to turn that so those are like the five like really bad people that i wouldn't say there's anybody that's really bad in the second part of the season i mean you might want to say clarissa she was bent on killing holding the end you know what when, uh, like I was saying before, whenever there's something bad happening, Holden is there. If you're looking on the outside in at Holden, you're like, I don't want Holden to come to my town. I don't want Holden to come anywhere near my planet <laughs> yeah. because something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, but I think she turned, she turned a leaf when, uh, they were both in the same, uh, cell there. At the that was of. so ironic. That was great. Hey, I'm Jim. How are you? <laughs> Yeah. Right, like, right, oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm the person that's been trying to kill you for months now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I almost murdered your entire crew because you weren't there. Yeah. T- talking about yeah. that, and it's, when Monica said that Cohen was dead, I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so good because I hated Cohen. I hate He was the cameraman, Monica's yeah. cameraman. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, I, he was somebody that I just wanted to hate. Because even when he was caught, he's like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. You knew exactly what you were doing, dude. Yeah. Well. Yeah, he was He was, uh, He was. was like that corporate spy in season two. Yeah. Just doing what he was told to do, but was fully aware just, of what he was doing. He just wanted to see him get punched in the face. Yeah. A lot. Repeatedly. And we never saw it, but it was it was really funny when Alex sent him out. Yeah, I was just going to send him alone, but you're like he's blind and only could see with his hands, so I sent her with him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's got gloves on; he can't yeah. see. Yeah. Or not Alec Amos, but yeah, yeah. yeah. At least Amos is uh, practical about it, right? Yeah, and Holden's like, I wish you would. It's okay. I wish you would have talked to me about it beforehand, though. <laughs> um, no, I'd so I think Holden comes from a good place on all the decisions that he's made. He does, he's definitely the, the reluctant leader trope. He does have leadership training. I mean, he was a a naval officer in the UN Navy for a while. He was, he was trained in that. Um, and due to, you know, his experiences as a child of eight different fucking people. And then his experience in the UN Navy, he just wanted to, say fuck it and live in a small corner of space on the Canterbury. So he's, he's, he's kind of one of those people that is Forrest Gump, like where he just ends up being in all of the important places just because now sometimes it's because of his doing, he, he pushes himself to be in those important places but that's usually after he's already been there just by coincidence and, and got dragged into uh, the, the, the circumstances around that and, and wants to affect change. So a couple of 
cool things that I noticed from this whole thing. First of all, when Ashford and Drummer were pinned, the song that they were singing, did you guys know that that was the opening intro melody? No. No. Is it? I didn't recognize that. No, I didn't either. Somebody told me a couple of years ago, and then I, I backed it up, and then I... So the, I, I forget the words to the song, but in, in the closed captioning, in the intro, it says some Norwegian that's doing opera-like singing or something like that. But the belters, Ashford and Drummer, were singing the song, you know, to stay awake, to stay alert. And it was the same melody as the intro, was the Expanse song. So I thought that was pretty neat. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't recognize that at all. So, and then also this was the season where this was canceled by sci-fi and it was picked up yes. by Amazon and it all happened mid season. It was like between episodes five and eight, somewhere in there, I think May, June of that year of 2018 where sci-fi dropped it, but Amazon immediately picked it up and then they were able to bring it forward. I, all com productions, I believe it is right. They, yeah. they were able to go forward with the next season off of that. So, and it was all due to either, you know, whoever you believe, Jeff Bezos, the fan campaign, save the expanse campaign, renew the expanse campaign, whatever the hashtag was back then. But uh, this all happened mid season. It was after the production was done, but I believe, I don't know how the contracts went for the actors, but I believe that that decision wasn't made shortly in that time period that the contracts for the actors are let go and then it's almost impossible getting the crew back so that this all happened mid-season yeah that's a really good question is if amazon hadn't picked it up do you think somebody like netflix would have picked it up because this is the, the whole reason amazon picked it up was because they this was about the time that they were competing really hard with netflix netflix had started uh before now, before before then, creating their own uh, original shows, they were like pushing out uh, shows that they had brought from syndication onto their platform. They were actually dropping those. Uh, they weren't bringing in as many new movies anymore. It was it was all Netflix was concentrating on new shows. In fact, they were throwing money and deals at production companies. I mean, if you basically had a thought in your head, they would pay for it and make a show out of it. I don't think Netflix so, would have picked it up. I agree with you know? Rob. Yeah. They had Lost in Space running at the time. They had um, whatever that show was uh, with with uh, Starbuck. What's her name? Um, Battlestar? Oh, uh, oh, Longmire. No, it wasn't no. Longmire. Uh, she did a space show. Uh, they ran two seasons, started with a, <laughs> yeah. I, I, wow, it made it two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't seen the second season, but yeah. And then they did, uh, a couple other things as well. So I, I think they were hitching their wagons to other shows at the time. So I don't think Netflix would have picked this up, especially not at the price that this needed to have, uh, Apple TV. What about Hulu? Yeah, I don't think so because Hulu was in the throes of, uh, ownership changes and turmoil at that time or plus or minus around that time so i don't think hulu you know the stakes of who another hulu. life yeah another life thank you very much i have a research on the fly i bet rob yes right? yes <laughs> okay. i had to start it, with starbuck because i couldn't remember her damn name i was like it's not kara thrace no it's yeah, katie not, sackoff not, yeah katie sackoff yeah. i was about to say trisha helfer but that's that's, that's six Imaginary six. I think yeah. Bobby Draper was this series' Starbuck, pretty much. And I think, actually, Bobby Draper was a better character than Starbuck was for the whole thing. 
just my opinion. Anyway, I don't think Hulu would have been it. Maybe Apple TV, but I think they had their deals at the time where they were starting to do starting to do pre-production on Foundation and a couple other series like For All Mankind. So there's only so much money. I know you were saying there's a lot of money thrown around, but there's only so much money that you have. And I don't think at the price that this show was, I don't think anybody wanted to bring it in uh, specifically. I think Amazon was probably its only likely home at the time. I'm so glad that Amazon did bring it up. And then eventually they ran into money problems, and which is why season six was only six episodes. And they decided to stop because I think you said it, Jason, that, they just ran out of money. They couldn't do it right with the money that they had. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the main onus or the, the reason that they gave as far as, you know, canceling the season when they did. And besides, the from what I understand, the book after where they stopped takes place like 30 years later. So it would have been a major shift. Yeah, there's a in, big time jump. tone and, yeah. and environment anyway, so... And then the other thing that I want to talk about, about the infrastructure behind the show is sci-fi moved the show from nine to 10 PM. And that definitely allowed for more F bombs. We'll just say on the show. And it didn't air with as many F bombs as it had. Like when Amos was pouring the milk for the kids, I don't think he said, and when he was seeing the space squid come up, I don't think he said on air, what the fuck? I think he said like, what the hell or something like that. But obviously, since it's on Amazon now, they could go back to the original dialogue and say, what the fuck? And then right. uh, Christian just, like season four, it really manifests itself in season four, but she is swearing. Everything that comes out of her mouth is basically a swear word. And she was able to do a few of those in this season, which really helped as well. But even the move from nine to 10 didn't save the show on sci-fi. So it was just a losing proposition with sci-fi. They tried and, and they failed. So I'm, I'm curious because the, the show wasn't poorly rated on sci-fi. You know, it was only getting was, about a million views. And remember, sci-fi didn't have any of the rebroadcast or streaming revenue. So they were literally going off the original. They wanted, you know, what what uh, Battlestar Galactica originally got, which I want to say was like 12 million or something like that. They wanted to rekindle that and that would have made it profitable for them and them, uh, their ability to, to continue it and have it. And honestly, it was the best thing that they had going. So I'm glad that they stuck with it for three seasons, but they needed more than 1 million views per live or within, I think they even stretched it to within the first seven days and it was only 1 million. Was it that little? Yeah. Interesting. Let me. Yeah, I want to see. The ratings at the time. Yeah, I want to see how it did compared to other shows that they had. Well, and see, season uh, three. Yeah, you're right. Average viewers were yeah like six hundred thousand. And other shows that they had were far far less money than this was, uh, largely because. But uh, I mean. Yeah. Even even then, oh, it actually aired at nine on Wednesdays for season three, and they moved so it, it was airing at they moved it mid season it was airing to 10. At yeah ten on Mondays and Tuesdays the first season it aired at ten on Wednesdays the second season, and then it says here it aired at t- nine on the Wednesdays at the third season oh that was that what time zone is that though? Probably uh, Eastern. Eastern. It would have been Eastern. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was Eastern. Um, so it actually did a little bit better than it did in season two and not quite as good as it did in season three, but it, it was never, you know, a, higher than a million viewers in any of the three seasons that it ran. So I guess they were hoping it would be higher than what it was in the three seasons. Yeah. And it makes you wonder like what the other, uh, big broadcast or big streaming series that are on right now, such as lost in space or foundation or any of the really big sci-fi shows right now, how they can stay in there with how many viewers that they have. And none of these, streaming services release the streaming numbers for any of their right. their their stuff. So you don't know. I think the only reason Disney Plus released it for Black Widow is because they were trying to add it into the total box office number and say, hey, look, this is really a success. But they haven't done it outside of Black Widow that I know of. And to be honest with you, I doubt their numbers because I don't know how it's being counted, how the Black Widow numbers were counted. I, I hate to be the pessimist there, but I think they were inflated, but it's difficult to say. Anyway, the series at 1 million is Foundation 1 million. And then how many people turn on Apple TV specifically to see one series or how many people get Hulu to see one series? You know, uh, Paramount Plus, how many people tune into that to see the latest Star Trek season and then they shut it off? I know there's some, but I don't know if that's really a lot. And I don't know if that's enough for them to keep the lights on and produce great shows. I am simply unaware of the back deals that happen with these streaming services. So Amazon is a good example of a company that is more than just the video and they can bring more resources to bear just to be a loss leader and you right. might consider the expanse to be a loss leader just because Amazon's such a big company. Apple, I guess is another big company that can do it with Apple TV. I, I don't, Sony wasn't able to do it with their stuff and Netflix sure isn't able to do it because they're, there's, they're one trick pony company. They are simply a streaming company. They don't have anything else to pull in from resources. They have to yeah, live within their means. Pushing a ton of Netflix originals. But at what production amount is it enough to produce a story, a story, uh, a series like the expanse? Oh, they got stranger things season, whatever season three, stranger season things three is largely shot in, in, you know, practical sets. There's a lot less money that goes into it than all the effects that went into the expanse. I mean, I know there's effects that are in stranger things, I still don't think it's as much as the expanse. Yeah. Heck, even the the ra the Razorback. Did you guys know the Razorback was almost completely CGI? The only thing that wasn't CGI was the chairs that they were in. Everything else was CGI. No, no, they did a really good job with the CGI on that. Well, the the so the bridge isn't CGI entirely, but everything that's on the screens and all that kind of stuff, yeah. I mean, yeah, the outsides of the ships whenever they're in space, I, I knew all that was. Well, but even the, if the interior was, then they did a really good job. Yeah, the entire interior of the Razorback was CGI other than the chairs. But so HBO is another one that does just uh, shows and, the, and they've got pretty large budgets for some of their shows. So, oh, what is it that um, 
they've got a sci-fi show that's in season two right now, and I haven't seen it. Oh, something of the wolf or oh, uh, raised, raised by wolves. By wolves yeah. Raised by wolves. I mean, that's a hugely CGI. The difference with HBO is they've had huge success and they have decades of uh, subscribers that they can pull from. There are people that if they don't get any other prime channel, they just get HBO and then HBO switch to streaming service with HBO max, but it's still capable of getting it with broadcast or or cable packages or satellite packages, uh, streaming packages like YouTube TV. You can get it that way. Um, not so much with the others, not in the traditional sense anyway. So HBO has a little bit more in its coffers. And as long as they continue to bring forth good content, you're going to keep those subscribers. I mean, I've kept my HBO subscription. I'm cutting the cord here in about a month. I've made all the preparations to do it, but I will keep HBO max with either a direct subscription or through YouTube TV if I go that way. So I'm going to keep HBO Max just because I value it, but a lot of other people do the same thing. So they're able to bring forward the, uh, gosh, what was the big mobster thing that the Sopranos, they, the, you know, the Sopranos, Sopranos yeah. they've got the, um, uh, what was that other uh, Westworld? There, there was a couple other big mm-hmm. ones that they've had the key marquee series. Game and HBO is just known for it. Maybe, yeah. Game of Thrones. Maybe you've heard of that one. Of. I, I did, <laughs> but I left it. The last Game of Thrones episode that I watched was band or Band of Brothers. The the Battle of the Bastards was the last episode that I watched. And then I just got out of it. It wasn't for me. I didn't want to see every single character dead. And from what I heard, it was a good thing that I got out. But anyway. Uh, Yeah. Okay. The Battle of the Bastards, that was the last one? I mean, you only had like, what, one or two episodes left? No, there was like two or three seasons after that. No, the Battle of the Bastards didn't happen until the very last season, just like when they were, when they were, spoiler alert, when they were uh, sacking King's Landing. Uh, Battle of the Bastards is the ninth and penultimate episode of the sixth season. Yeah. Oh, that was the, yeah. Huh? Sixth season was the last season. All right. Well, that's when I got out. I didn't want to go any further. Oh, you didn't watch the last episode? Well, you, you're not missing much. You would have been really disappointed. So. Well, didn't it go seven seasons? Look, this isn't Satif, okay? It's not smoking and drinking and <laughs> in fantasy. Man. It went eight seasons. Yeah, there was another two seasons after I got out. Did Jason watch all of the seasons? Was Jason not drunk when he was watching all the seasons? Battle of the Bastards was when King's Landing was falling down around their heads. Yeah. Because that was when that was when the Hound and the Mountain fought. They were fighting on a staircase for the most part. I think so, yeah. I mean, it was an epic episode to watch. I'm glad that it was the last one. I, I didn't leave on a sour note. I knew it was going to leave the series at some point, and that was... The one I was like, okay, this is a high note. This is a high note. This is probably the highest note that I'm going to get at this point in the series. And I'm out after this. So yeah, I left. Anyway, the the point is, I don't think that anyone else to answer your original question could have taken the expanse other than Amazon. 
and I'm glad that they did. And I'm glad that it kind of paved the way for other epic space sci-fi series like Foundation on Apple TV. And Amazon continues to look into other series as well. Can we talk about this, the the uh, CGI? Yeah, so I, I was actually going to bring that up. I really liked um, when Tilly died uh, or was dying and she was tearing up. I really liked how they did the... the they pulled yeah, the, the zero G yeah, tears. I was yeah. like, man, that that looks good. Now, I mean, their CGI always looks good, um, but I thought that was that was impressive. There was a bunch of just awesome stuff. So obviously, it was mostly CGI, but you had Naomi Skiff, and when the control panel was blowing up and that fire, yeah. and it was just happening so slow that she was mm-hmm. able to get her bucket on and, and open the door and and everything. But you saw the flame the explosion bubbling up towards her the entire time that was pretty yeah. cool uh, i already talked about the razorback interior being 100 percent cgi the um, bobby draper's spacewalk on the outside of the yacht just to open the bulkheads uh that was pretty awesome one of the flakier cgi moments but that was pretty awesome because I, I don't necessarily think that she would have had enough strength or magnetism in her suit to pull it off. But maybe, I don't know. She modified her suit, right? You had when the UN strike was against the Martian stealth platforms. And I want to take a little diversion right here. Uh, I have a quabble. So oh. you have a strike coming at earth you don't need a nuke, by the way. If you have something moving that fast with that much velocity and, and that much momentum, that alone is going to destroy 2 million people and a great part of the continent. You don't need a nuke to go along with it. Well, that's if you can get it down to the ground before it blows or burns up in the atmosphere. That's the quabble that I had with that nuke coming down. I mean, it would have had to have decelerated hard before it hit the atmosphere. Otherwise, it would have burned up in the atmosphere. Yeah, we don't know what kind of magical metals they have in their skin to, to do that. But yeah. They got, we, uh, yeah. They got nuke tech. Hey. Nuke tech. Anti-fire tech. Anti, uh, anti-heat shields. Anti-heat shields? Heat shields. So they heat up? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know that cargo bay. Heat and you have I just I just want to say I feel bad for the Rosinante's cargo bay because <laughs> yeah. man, it gets torn up every season. Yeah, it gets pretty. It gets, it gets dicked up a lot. It gets dicked up, and I also want to I also want to say that I am I am glad that they have confirmed um, that the Expanse happened in the MCU universe because so? um, because they had uh, Shang Chi uh, as a Martian. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 You didn't catch that in the, in the podcast. I did, but I wrote it down and I figured I would, uh, imagine, uh, say, say it, you know, I don't I know. I, yeah, I had to actually look that up because I saw him and I was like, no, yeah, that's not I did Shang-Chi, too. Is I it? did too. I was like, that's no, Simu Liu. Yeah. Is that, is that yeah. really? Yeah. You had to look. Yeah, it sure, it sure was. Yeah. Well, you had the commander of the UN. He was, uh, he's pretty noted actor in other sci-fi series, uh, including, I, w- I want to say Continuum and Killjoys. I forget his name, but he's been in quite a few, as all these actors are, right? Oh, they're, yeah. They're very, they're, I'm not going to say inbred, but yeah, it's very uh, recycled. Um, 
I mean, Anna's Elizabeth. Uh, what's her last name? Uh, Elizabeth Mitchell. Elizabeth Mitchell. You know, she's been in a, a ton. I I didn't watch Lost, but you know, she was big in Lost. She was also in Revolutions, which I hated that series, and that series got me away from NBC forever. But yeah, she's been in a ton. There's a lot of noted actors in here. Um, yeah. But to get back to the CGI, you got Katoa's ability to see in radar. You know, that was pretty cool. Uh, Draper's fight with the hybrid, which technically was Katoa. That was pretty cool. The Rossi in suspended animation in front of the ring was pretty cool, but not as cool as some other stuff. And when the behemoth entered into the ring, just because of the sheer size, you see how big the ring really is because you know how big the behemoth is. That was pretty cool. But like before, I have the top five of mine CGI scenes of the entire series. So whenever you guys want to hear what those top five are, just let me know. Like of the entire yeah, series uh, or or just up to, to right the, now? The season. The season. For this season. Okay. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Okay. Number five, I'm going to cheat. And I'm going to say all the wide shot flybys that they did. There was one at the beginning of the season where they were going all the way from Venus all the way out and they were showing where all the ships and disposition of forces and everything as the news reports were doing the voiceover of it. I thought that was pretty cool that they would, the way they did the flybys, uh, the trapped sphere ships, fast flyby. They did that a couple of times where they went around and stuff like that. So I'm just going to go. Number five is all the wide shot flybys. Num- number four was in episode four and it was the Navu Salvage, which became the behemoth. That whole sequence that they did was pretty cool. Did you guys like that salvage sequence? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Number three, I'm going to cheat again. And I'm going to cheat again because there were so many similar scenes like this. I could just have to all built them into one. So it's all to deal with the ring and the sphere. So when you had the 1300 gates appearing and then Holden's 2001 vision experience and then Holden entering the sphere itself, I'm just going to combine that into number three. And that was episodes 10 through 13. Number two is the slingshot flyer turning into jam going through the ring. And that was episode seven. So that was number two. Episode two had my number one though. And it was when the Rossi was shooting the engines off the UN ship to save Draper and Christian in the Razorback. Mm -hmm. That was the coolest action scene of the season. That was CGI. Yeah. Yeah, that was was clean. That was a clean fight. All right, so um, just to clarify, when you said Battle of Bastards, for some reason, I thought Clegane Bowl. Clegane Bowl, okay. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about. Clegane Brothers, well, well, the, uh, the mountain fought the hound. Okay. In the very last season, so that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah, the Battle of the Bastards when when Snow John Snow fights uh, Ramsey's army, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah that that happened in season six. Okay. I don't know why I got those two conflated, but you said Battle of Bastards and no, yeah, you I just you were wrong. The Hound and the Mountain. You were wrong. <laughs> He's not gonna admit it. But he okay. won't. He won't. Shut up, Rob. Because if he admits it, it means I have to put in the, the music. Eh. Shut up, eh. Rob. I'll put the music in anyway. <laughs> <All right. laughs> this season, we saw the return probably for the last time of Florence Favre. Favre? Whatever, however you say her last name. It's French, right? Uh, she plays Julie Mao. You had that flashback scene to the Mao mansion with mm, Clarissa. Yeah. I 
pretty sure this is the last time we're going to see yeah. Julie Mao. Yeah, I don't remember seeing her in any of the other seasons. So, yeah, and this she's season only brings involved up till this season. Yeah, and this season saw my second favorite character come on. Bobby Draper is my number one. My second favorite is Monica Stewart because Anna Hopkins. You know, I I have to tell you guys, I uh, communicate with her uh, from time to time. Ever since we interviewed her on Voices of Defiance, and uh, yeah, I just have to say she's my second favorite character. And who does she play? Monica. She played. Yeah, the reporter, Monica. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, she was in Defiance. She was in some episodes of Flash and Arrow as Samantha Carter. Uh, 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 what's his name? Green Arrow's uh, son's mother. She's an episode of Dark Matter, Killjoys, and several other, like a horror show. I forget what that is. But yeah, she's been in a lot of stuff since her debut on Defiance in 2014. Gotcha. All right. Rob, you got a haiku for us this week? I do. Uh, This one is titled Sixth Sense. Alien space squid. Too fast in your ass's grass. I see dead people. (laughs) What the fuck does that even mean? Well, I couldn't say Holden sees dead people because that didn't fit. So I just said I see dead people. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who's got awards? I got a limerick. Oh, Oh, you got a limerick. James S.A. Corey was frustrated. Alcon Productions reinstated. Humanity burled. A gate to each world. Stargate show once again reflated. (laughs) All right. Who's got awards? Yes, sir. Uh, Rob, who's got your uh, headlight or your black lung? Uh, I don't have anybody for the black loan, so Doc Cottle. Okay, SP. This was almost a Doc Cottle for me, but then I remembered Kutyar and him setting off the Agatha, Agatha King. And, yeah, I, I, you know, when you set a nuclear reactor to explode, yeah, I think that gives you a black loan word. Okay. Um, yeah, so mine's going to go to Christian just because she, again, <laughs> sounds yeah. like she's yeah. been smoking for like a billion years. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, throughout the entire expanse, unless I actually see somebody else smoking, she's going to be getting, you know, she got a little, lung. she got a little more raspier, uh, as her, uh, chest was getting crushed in those jeans. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> she was pushing all that black lung out. Yeah. Are you hitting on me? I'm flattered, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, SP, who's got your head lush? I'm sure you guys will go with somebody different, but I'm going to go with Drummer. I'm going to go with Drummer because she chose the assignment because she was drinking when Dawes came or Johnson came to her. And then at the very end, she shows up with a bottle to drink with Ashford. So I'll go with Drummer. Okay. Rob. Uh, I gave mine to the old mechanic that got folded up into the, the uh, storage area. Melba. Um, by Melba. Oh, yeah. yeah cuz yeah. I mean, he was he was drunk on the job all the time. I think his name was Ren. Yeah, Ren. Sounds right. Okay. Um yeah, I'll go with Drummer. 
with uh, SP. She uh, she had that congratulatory drink with with Fred. She was going to drink with Ashford to kind of bury the hatchet, get on the same page. And so, yeah, I'll go with drummer too. Um, Rob, who's got your player? I'm giving it to Clarissa, or otherwise known as Melba. Just okay. playing everybody, you know, pitting everybody against everybody and playing the Rosinati as the scapegoat. Okay. SP. We're going to go with Naomi because she was in that little captain chief engineer relationship with drummer, which, you know, probably had some private time between the two of them when they were off shift. You know, I think there is some of that going on. And she did say, I love you before she left. And then she left for Holden to return back to Holden and they got back together. So, yeah, I'm thinking Naomi is playing the field. And, oh, we never talked about it. She said she would take care of Diogo, that little lap dog, right? And she dropped a whole elevator on him just to get rid of him. Hey, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, he was kind of annoying. Um, yeah, so mine was going to go to Naomi, too, for um, leaving Holden and crew uh, to go work on the behemoth and then uh, coming back and... and Looking back up with Holden. So, SP, who has your purple hippo? I'm sure you guys have great things to say about a lot of people. I'm going to go with Holden just because he's seen dead people. I, I think that would you know, freak somebody out of their mind. Plus, the sphere showed him, you know, all those worlds dead, whatever. So, yeah, he's a little fracked up in the mind from the whole thing. Okay, Rob. Uh, I gave it to Holden uh, also for seeing Miller, you know. Uh, he he thought he was going crazy, scanned himself multiple times, brain scans, proto-molecule yeah, and everything. Yeah, so, yeah. Purple Hippo. All the way. Well, fuck. Say it. Uh, Say it. So, no, Say mine's it. changing. Mine's changing. Say it. Nope. No. Nope. Come on. Mine's changing. Nope. Um, so I'm going to give mine to Holden. Clarissa. Oh, you're giving it to Holden. Nope. Perfect. I'm going to give it to mine to Clarissa Mal, uh, because not only did she like suffer tons of emotional abuse from her father never living up to her sister's image and basically just being pushed to aside as a, a second class sibling. Um, but she like got endocrine implants so that she could get super strong, which obviously fucked her up every time she used them. And, and you'll see that throughout the rest of the series too, because she comes into play in the rest of the series. Um, but yeah, she's, uh, she's getting my, cause she became a killer. Um, even though she, her, her father treated her like trash. She was still so loyal to him that she took on a, an entirely new identity. Um, to get revenge on the person that put him into prison. Uh, so she's got some major fucking mental issues. She's getting my, my, my purple. That's hippo. a very weak purple hippo. You should go. Well, with your it's other not, one. it's nope. nope. I mean, when you take away a debutante's ability to be a debutante, I, yeah, I, I, I get the whole thing. Uh, and, you are not helping. And Ashford just saying uh, on the bridge at the end there saying, Oh, uh, you can think clearer without the chemical inhibit. Oh, let, let me just take that off. <laughs> I know. Duff. <laughs> All right. So uh, next week or next episode, sorry, not next week. In two weeks, next episode, we will be discussing season four of The Expanse. So now we're into 
an entirely new system. So the, the race for uh, staking your claim and 1300 new systems has begun and Holden has been set upon another mystery by Miller to figure out what took out the civilization that actually built the proto molecule and built all of these rings. So season four is gonna start exploring that. Looking forward to it, what about you two? Yes, sir. sir. Yep, I remember these first few episodes and it's really fun moving forward here. Uh, like I said, the first three seasons were setting up these this adventure and now we really get the sci-fi adventure. Yep. All right, SP, where can the people find you? You can find me over on the gunnageek.com site. I have several podcasts. The most noted for this show would probably be Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right now we're running down the X-Men, the animated series from 1992. We're running that down, doing some profiles of the uh, creative team behind the, I was going to say camera, but behind the series itself. It's an animated series, so there's no camera. And it's been really fun. A lot of people have been enjoying it, and it's the first time I've been seeing it. And I just saw an episode that just blew my mind. So if you want to uh, learn more about that, you can come over to gunnageek.com. Cool. All right, well, thanks for everything, SP. We'll uh, see you on the next episode. That's all we've got for this episode. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Podcrawl hey, music is Snack Mix by Machete. If you like this show, please rate and review us on right iTunes. Here. You can leave us feedback yeah. on our Discord channel yeah. at smokinganddrinkingandspace.com forward slash Discord. On Twitter at status underscore podcast <laughs> or email us at smokinganddrinkinginspaceandoutlook.com. Yeah. If you'd like to throw a few nickels our way, you can become a Patreon supporter by going to smokinganddrinkinginspace.com forward slash Patreon. And make sure to visit Creative Brain Candy for more great shows and other creative works at creativebraincandy.com. For this week, I'm Jason. Yeah. Three-way. It was a three-way. It was not. It was. It was not. It was. I'm SP. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.